On today's Stuncast, we review Tomorrow's Yesterday. The Enterprise is hurled back to the 1960s and is seen by U.S. Air Force pilot Captain John Christopher. Can the Enterprise get home without changing history? Will they have to kill John Christopher? Will he see some captain-on-captain action? Find out on Set Podcast to Stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron, Kapla, and Captain Admiral Corey. That's uh, just an amalgamation of titles, but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> you feel bad for for gaslighting me? I'm just like tired of fighting with you about this. <laughs> It's a ceremonial title. Yeah, Admiral Captain Corey. It's like a Brigadier General or like, I don't know, Lieutenant Captain or something like that. There's those like metal ones. Well, happy to be here. All right, everyone. Welcome to Chat Chat. Um, We, I think this is our third edition of Chat Chat. Um, Today is March 28th. Um, Usually we don't give, you know, that sort of info, but these are time sensitive issues that we're going to talk about today. So I think knowing when we recorded it was helpful. But yes, um, William Shatner just turned 90. Wow. Wait, uh, yeah. are you Happy serious? Birthday. Yeah, he's 90 he's, years he, old? He's 90 years old. He was born on Ooh. March 22nd, 1931. Oh, man. Yeah. Right in the heart of the Depression. Yeah. Um, so happy <laughs> birthday to uh, Shatner, who just turned 90. Also, Leonard Nimoy's birthday was March 26th, and Boston... Um, recently declared March 26th, Leonard Nimoy Day. Oh, oh my God. I thought you were talking about the band for a second. I don't know why my mind went there. <laughs> you, sh- you should have told us, Clint, it was two days ago. We could have done something separately yeah, in our I- houses. <laughs> I sent you both a text and neither of you replied to it. I actually... About this 90-year-old business. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I said, wow. <laughs> and I went to bed. <laughs> Um, so we've been hearing a lot of stuff from, you know, William Shatner since he turned 90. Um, I cannot believe that he is 90. He is lucid as hell. He's I doing think, great. Yeah. I think that's too, cause he's such an active, I don't know, person, you know, like he, I think that really helps you, um, stay sharp. Okay. Here, here it is. Well, this is from, uh, William Shatner's Twitter. Well, I must say that the reaction to a 90th birthday and then emoji like celebrating emoji is overwhelming and then skeptical emoji. Don't you people have better things to do? Question mark. And then emoji like questioning emoji guy and then laughing emoji, crying laughing emoji. And then thank you to everyone for your well wishes and love heart emoji. Oh, that's sweet. That's a typical William Shatner tweet. What's crazy to me like that that Shatner has been cap has not been Captain Kirk longer than when he stopped being Captain Kirk, right? Like in the 60s because he was like in his 40s when he was done on the TV show mm-hmm. with it. And then he would still have an, a double his life plus some <laughs> while he was not Captain. Well, he was in the movies in the 80s. So never mind, that doesn't really work. Yeah. But also, that's a good point to bring up. Um 
another news item that has come up around this is that he says he's never watched an episode of Star Trek. And he hasn't really watched <laughs> a lot of movies either. He said the only movie he watched was Star Trek V, and that was because he directed that that movie. So he kind of had to watch it. Oh my god, That wasn't a good one, if yeah. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> he says um, he has a hard time watching himself because it was too painful, quote. And he said, I don't like the way I look or what I do. So that is the reason Aww. why he never watched an episode, which I don't know, like as an actor, I could act. Well, not me as an actor, but I could understand <laughs> like as an actor of you not wanting to watch your performance. It's like a weird like self-conscious well, thing you know it's just hard to sometimes watch yourself I know, apparently like yeah i was gonna say adam driver and johnny depp are also the same way they never watch their own movies mm -hmm. and also um adam driver walked out on a fresh air interview because the the way that fresh air and terry gross they do it is they play clips during it and so you actually hear the clip in the yeah. interview and adam driver didn't want to hear it and they're like okay you can just take your headphones off and not listen to it and he's like no i'm not doing this interview and then he walked out i don't want to like criticize people it's a little touchy don't you think uh, yeah i don't yeah. know i don't want to criticize actors in their process but yeah i'm like yeah couldn't you just not listen to it but anyway i don't know like everyone has I, their own things i mean nobody likes to like look at your work again but for the vast vast majority of people that's how you get better like it is excruciating but, like, sitting through someone going through your writing helps you learn how to write better. Sometimes my family will watch old home movies of our family, like, back in the 90s, like, on the old VHS tapes. And that is, that is, that is, folks, that is hard watching for mm -hmm. me. Because I'm, like, 12, and I'm like, let me look in the camcorder. And my mom's like, no, honey. And I start, like, hyperventilating, and then I scream, <laughs> let me look. It's, like, it's hard. So I get why Adam Driver doesn't want to watch. <laughs> this is... hey, hey, guys, I want to... I wonder something, huh. and that's who's the who's the best actor out of the three of us? And I'm going to give you guys a line, and I'm going to do it too, and we're just going to see who can do the best reading of it. Okay. Let's, Are you ready? What's the line? Maybe it should be a Star Trek line? Yeah. Okay. The line is, Captain, enemy vessel approaching. Should we... F Wait, no. Hold on. Can you guys <laughs> think of a line? I know this is a stupid bit, but I want to think of a good line. Okay. Let, let's do famous... Captain, Star the Trek Klingons are approaching. Books. Oh, I think Emily won already. What is, is okay? I'm just gonna do this. Captain, I'm giving her all she's got. Uh, oh no, that's that's okay. quite. Sexy. That's horrible, Clint. Pick a different one. <laughs> uh, How about I love my ship like I'd love any fine woman? Yeah, there we go. I'd love my ship like I love any fine woman. I love my ship. Like I'd love any fine woman. I love my ship. Like I'd love any fine woman. That was kind of Harrison Ford there. I didn't like that. There's There was a darkness in yours. I liked it. Um, I will say, though, one of the things that bums me out about you reading that thing about Shatner is that he was such a babe. Like, I feel like we talked about this a lot in the Twilight Zone one, or at least I did. But, I mean, he was like a fine young man. No, he, he was a good looking guy. Yeah, he's definitely he definitely had those good looks, especially in that episode. Like he was way hotter in that Nick of Time episode than he was when he started Star Trek. Like, yeah, his tush. He got a cute little tush in that one. Mm -hmm. And he just had a nice like I don't know, I want to like just nice sculpted face. It's very pretty. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So today we are reviewing Tomorrow is Yesterday, which was first aired January 26th of 1967. Um, so, Corey, why don't you walk us through the, the plot summary of this episode? Absolutely. This episode is a real humdinger. Um, oh, boy. It's not it's not terribly complicated, but there are this is a time travel episode so there's there's always going to be some a lot of caveats and uh, little minutia things i'm not going to get into every little tiny thing here but the episode starts off where the enterprise has interacted with a a black star um and apparently uh, well not it's it's like the way it's phrased in the episode is a black star of incredible attraction and i'm going to go ahead and stop right here and ask you what what joke did you guys put in here cuz <laughs> I wrote Idris Elba. <laughs> well, and I thought you were a... all going to do the same exact thing. So I wanted to hear who your black stars of incredible attraction. He, he does have a great, I mean, he has a very magnetic personality. Oh my um, God. I'm just, I'm going to stick to our ballpark and say LeVar Burden. Okay. Safe choice. I'm going to say that guy from Bridgerton, but I also wrote the song by Radiohead. Cause I guess oh, I'm I... even dorkier. Black hole yeah. song. <laughs> the radio <laughs> blame it on I, the satellite black hole sun won't you come that's not um, radiohead i know back is black i want my baby back okay um though this this aired um before the idea of black holes were popularized a um, couple actually... months before. It was later in 1967 that, that the black holes were introduced. So the Enterprise interacts with a black sun. I don't know. Did they get too close to it or did they like revolve around it? But they are shot towards Earth. Now, they were already heading towards Earth. Um, so it's no surprise to them that they're suddenly ended up in the orbit around Earth. Um, well, they seemed a little surprised. They seemed a little surprised. But Spock said it was only logical. Spock, I wrote Spock is super chill about it, and Kirk is super intense about it. <laughs> that was, yeah. Um, and two, I liked when Captain Kirk turned around and he goes, what? Like, really softly and stuff. Yeah, but if you anyway. if you like the Shatner overacting, this is a great episode for that. Yeah, I'm sorry, Corey, keep, keep going. It, it's like quickly discovered that it's the 1960s. But let me let me just go backwards because I, I left out that the first part of this episode, it's it's a cold open at a mm. 1960s airbase. Mm. And I thought for a second that I would clicked on the wrong show because this is all <laughs> before they even show the title because um, we were watching Twilight Zone last week. So I thought that I, we were still on that. But yeah, it's just uh, a there's like a UFO appearing in the sky and these fighter jets um, deployed to go check it out or one fighter jet rather. Uh, so the enterprise is in orbit and there is a fighter jet that is pursuing them. And it is being, it is uh, piloted by one captain Christopher. I really like the idea that this fighter could still damage the enterprise like they were concerned about it even though they were way advanced in technology apparently mm -hmm. like it could have a nuclear missile on it and shoot them and, and destroy them so there's they're kind of like what do we do about this because it's just one fighter jet but we have to like neutralize it so it doesn't attack us so they decide to try and beam the fighter jet aboard but the, the jet starts to crumple because the they can't handle that kind of stress so they just decide to beam the pilot aboard 
And every single rule about time travel and how to interact with people in time travel is subsequently broken throughout this mm. episode. It basically becomes like a heist slash hijinks episode. <laughs> yeah, with lots of slap, good... slapstick and, and, uh, <laughs> and physical assault. Like, everyone has a gun in this episode, but everyone just decides to punch each other. It's pretty great. <laughs> Yeah. Kurt kicks some ass in this episode. He's he like is really oh. fucking people up. We'll talk about his we'll, we'll fight get, we'll later. Get to that. Yeah, I yeah. will say in addition to that though, uh, when this captain comes on the bridge, Kirk, I fucks the shit out of him. Like there Kirk, is some homoerotic tension also later on. Yeah, Kirk is like this guy is a snack, and I am hungry. <laughs> like a whale to krill. <laughs> is that what whales eat? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they eat dolphins, like killer what? whales. Well, some yeah. whales eat dolphins, not whales sometimes eat dolphins. Well, not all whales. Yes, okay, that's the Hashtag thing. not all that, whales. That that clarification, sure. And, and by the way, whales will come up in Star Trek for the voyage home. I think that's what it's called, where the yeah, entire this plot is... revolves around them going back to the 1980s, because that's when that movie was filmed. People love, people in Star Trek love filming movies about, or episodes about the time that this, it was filmed in. Mm-hmm. It's a way to reflect on the current culture, and then also you don't have to, like, build a bunch of complicated sets to, like... Yeah, like... there must be some show next door that has a leftover set, because there's a DS9 where they go to the 90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, they say that this, the military set might be the set from I Dream of Genie. So Captain Christopher is beamed aboard and Kirk decides to just tell him everything. He's like, Hey, we're, we're from the future. Like he, he's, he's not going to really hold anything back at all. And he decides to just show him around the ship and he's like, yeah, go explore, check it out, do whatever you want. They decide, Spock and, and Kirk and McCoy, they decide that they they shouldn't let him go because now he is contaminated. After they contaminated him, they're like, sorry, you can't go back to Earth because now you know too much. Um, our records indicate that you are a person of no consequence at all. However, you could like do something now with the information that you have that will corrupt the future. So unfortunately, you are now a prisoner on our ship. Yeah, that's what Spock told them, and it was a huge burn. It's just like, you, history doesn't care about you, son. Get fucked. I do love, though, that Spock saying we can't let him go, it feels like he's like, so, you know, we gotta, you know, we can't keep him. Oh, I thought But we gotta... Too. Yeah, like he's trying to yeah. get them all to get on board with murder. <laughs> it's just yeah. logical. Because I, I, I thought about that. Like, like Spock seems like so down to just throw this guy out of the airlock in space or something. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's all like, you know, Captain, we could just like, uh, just lead him in the airlock, you know, with some candy or something. That's what humans like at this time. And little accident here, and he's no longer our problem. Uh, and then Kirk is just like, but he's so handsome. I mean, talented as a pilot and his eyes are dreamy. I mean, he's so charming. I mean, his, his eyes are so important to history. Yeah. <laughs> there is a, I'm not going to call it a B plot or a C plot or a D plot. This is what I would call a G plot where... <laughs> For some reason, the computer has its its voice is different. 
um, yeah, as because a sexy of the voice. temporal flux that they went through. No, it wasn't because of that. They had just gotten their computers serviced at a planet that's female dominated, and they thought the um, the computer needed the more Enterprise... personality. Yeah, and Spock's like, of course they made it a woman. Well, I think it's funny that Spock is mad about that, but like every time uh, Kirk says, "Like, hey, can you copy that computer?" She's like, "Copy that doll!" Like she's doing a real sex voice on him. I love it too, where he says to the computer, "Like, I recommend that the computer be either reprogrammed or scrapped completely." And then he's like, "Computer compute." And then she's all sounds hurt, and she's like, oh, computing. Yeah. I like, too, when he goes, stop addressing me like that in public. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem, is it's, like, hitting his kink too hard. Yeah. Where, yeah. like, now that the, 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 the ship has, like, a super sexy voice, like, he's having an even harder time controlling himself from not, not having sex with his ship. He's like, you foul temptress. But, yeah, definitely a G-plot. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. It just kind of shows up. And is, no, is and, I, and I, thought it, I thought it would. Like, I thought that there was going to be something, like, maybe the computer, like, Deduces a cat, uh, an uh, Air Force captain, or something like that, but it never ever comes up again, which is fine. You don't have to have everything have significance. My my theory about it was that it was setting the tone for the episode, like mm. the one where the planet has a gun that has Bones being like really over the top with his stupid Alice in Wonderland comparison, and that mm. never comes back. But it's just like they have these humorous episodes interspersed to lighten it up and so i just thought this was dropped in there to like tell you this is gonna be one of those silly episodes see i thought they were gonna put a blonde wig on the ship and have it flirt with the guards to distract them so <laughs> erase the tapes. yeah anyway it doesn't have any bearing on anything so they have christopher as a prisoner the engines are repaired but they are stuck in time so there's this whole like Christopher's like, why are you keeping me stuck here when, like, you probably aren't going anywhere either? Um, so they need to figure out how they're going to get back into the future. A actually, he tries to escape. Uh, and it's kind of a cool little scene because they try to contact him for another briefing. And Christopher's not responding. And we see a cut to him kind of sleuthing through the hallway. And he like, takes <laughs> down a guard. And then he goes into the transporter room. And he grabs a gun. And he like he's like, beam me down to Earth, he says to the, the transporter chief. But then fucking John Rambo, Captain Kirk, just comes out of nowhere and just <laughs> barrels into him and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> well, he, like, slaps away the gun and then, like, punches him or something like that. And he's like, not on my ship. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say it's another example of how just, like, the security on the Enterprise is just abysmal. Like, he was a captive and they still let him just wander around the corridors, like, let him slip out. It's, I don't. I don't know what's going on on that that ship. This is again, it's an it's a bit of an idiot plot because if so they they beamed him on board to save his life because his ship was starting to fall apart. And like if they had let him die, one, or if two bones had just given him a sedative right when he beamed on board, then he wouldn't have seen any of this stuff. He wouldn't know they were from the future. Like all they needed was like two extra seconds of thinking before they did it. But they didn't have those two extra seconds, so but they didn't do it. They even could have just beamed him aboard and been like, 
quick, put him in a closet or something. And then he's in a dark room, so he doesn't see anything. He doesn't know anything that's going on. I just love your like approach to these to these shows because you're just like, uh, why is there so much drama in this show? Like, why couldn't if they just locked them in a closet and then we wouldn't have to watch all this? I just like if you're gonna kidnap someone, do it right. <laughs> uh, I am going to ask you two to not pick apart the plot of this episode because it is really <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah, we're gonna be here all day. So anyway, uh, yeah, let's keep going, Cork. Okay, so after his escape, Spock is like, oh, actually, I went back into the records and I did a little bit more thorough search and I determined that you are going to be a person of a person of import because you're going to have, your, your son is going to pilot a probe around Saturn. Mm-hmm. And then Christopher's like, but I don't have a son. And then Kirk is like, you don't have a son yet. And then, you know, you see the awareness in Christopher's face and he like smiles and everything. It's, it's very cheesy. I love that scene, actually. It was a good scene. Yeah, it was fun. So they're going to release Christopher, but they have to be pretty careful about it. The first thing that they have to do is they have to destroy any of the evidence that Christopher's fighter jet picked up because it, he turned his cameras on and the camera clearly captures the Enterprise. But the, the, the fighter jet has crashed. It has been recovered by the Air Force and they are going through the tapes. And remember, this is the 1960s. It's literally the tapes. It's like a film reel. Um, that they have to get out of the one. Air Force base. Mm-hmm. So they have to go destroy it. So in order to destroy it, they are going to assemble a crack team of Sulu and Kirk to beam down to the military base. And I just, I love right before they beam down, Christopher's like, I want to help. Let me help. He's not, they're not going to let him go down there. But he's like, I can draw the base. I can help you guys like map out what's going to be down there. And then Kirk reluctantly hands him an Etch-A-Sketch? Did you guys see that gigantic <laughs> No, device? I didn't notice it. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge, huge tablet that's like six inches thick with a big with a big yeah. stylus attached to it. In the future, we'd be, we've been able to double the size of the Etch-A-Sketch. Oh my god, you're so advanced. <laughs> okay, so they do their little um, covert mission down in the base. It's nighttime. There's, there's no one there except a couple of guards. But they fuck up the mission so bad in every single way. They don't... And these are, like, people that are ostensibly military-trained, Sulu and Kirk. Like, they don't post any guards. They don't do anything, like, particularly, like, you know, doing cool hand signals like Marines. They just walk into the <laughs> the, the office that would have the, the reel in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are immediately accosted by another a, a soldier, a military police guard. And he tells them to, like, give me all your stuff. And they, they, they take off their phaser and their, their belts and all that, and they give it to him. Um, and then it, it's kind of a cool way to resolve that by the guards looking at Kirk's communicator, which is chirping because Spock's trying to get in touch with him. And he gets the guard to open up the communicator, which lets out a, an emergency signal. And then that tells the Enterprise to beam them aboard, but they just beam the guard aboard leaving Sulu and Kirk still down on the Air Force Base. So now they have two people up on the ship. Every single thing that they've done so far in this episode, I'm sure, was like what informed how to do time travel correctly textbook Mm -hmm. in the future because they Mm -hmm. just fuck every single... They now have two people, two contaminants on on board the Enterprise. The guy's frozen on the transporter pad out of fear, I guess. I don't know what's going on there. That was weird. 
I thought it was just he, like, like he panics and then it was like for comedic effect. But yeah, it was kind of goofy. Yeah, he's just he's just like bent over and he's not moving. And they just take his gun out of him. But anyway, um, Kirk and Sulu continue sleuthing around the Air Force base. They're hiding from patrols. They finish up all their work. They're in the last room getting the last of the reels. And they're just about to beam up when Kirk's like, hold on, I'm going to go check out this these files really quick. And he leaves Sulu alone and, and Sulu's in this little like like closet or something no no okay so goes out i wanted to mention this right because they're about to finish up and kirk's like let's go into this dark room so we can find these photos right and i just want to take a second so in shore leave they had to explain what a plane was and what a gun was Mm -hmm. you know sulu was like oh i found this gun yeah it propels bullets it (laughs) propels bullets with this chemical reaction right so they don't know what a fucking gun is but they know what a dark room is like kirk had to didn't have to explain what a dark room is you know sulu like just knew what it was he's like oh let's go into this dark room (laughs) so like right like so they don't have to explain what a dark room is but they have to explain what a plane and a gun is so i just wanted to point that out they had to guess what a gun was twice because in the episode where kirk builds the gun he's like something about sulfur and powder if only i could remember like yeah that is absolutely hilarious so maybe but... guns have been basically forgotten in history but maybe they still have dark rooms in kirk's time i want to wager that we have seen a pistol more times in star trek than we've seen a phaser they show up an awful lot in mm-hmm. many many episodes wouldn't you agree mm-hmm. yeah yes uh, yeah we do get a lot many of episodes okay so th- then we get to the best goddamn scene in the episode where kirk leaves sulu to he's still in the dark room and kirk leaves him to go out into the main office when four or five guards show up and well, one of you yeah, can take he, it from here because it is well insane. he fights three of them it's a it's such a great fight this is the best fight scene let's put a pin in this right now and finish the summary because it's such a great fight scene i want to talk about this later okay okay we'll come, <laughs> we'll come back to it so kirk kicks some ass but he gets captured because he's overwhelmed there's just so many of them spock is now in command of the enterprise the the scene goes back to kirk and he's being interrogated and i don't know if we want to put a pin in this one but the interrogation scene is pretty pretty crazy too there's kirk of... is not taking it seriously at all he's yeah. just like kind of basically smirking the whole time <laughs> oh i love it too yeah the best part, I just want to mention this, uh, when the guy's like, I'm, I'm gonna, I should lock you up for 200 years, and Kirk's like, yeah, that's about right. Another example of a, of a one-liner that Kirk has in that interrogation is the dude in, tar- in charge of the interrogation's like, hey, that's a weird outfit. Is that like your uniform? And then Kirk's like, I don't know, it's just something that I slipped into, or something <laughs> comfortable to slip into. You know, just he's just, he's just so, like, he's just ingratious and just kind of being silly the entire time. Um, back on the ship, Christopher convinces Spock that he needs to beam down to the Air Force base to help out the second away mission, which now has to rescue the captain. So, so far we have two <laughs> captured contemporary people up on the Enterprise. The captain is now captured, so they have to go rescue the captain. Christopher's like, I can help you. I can. Don't give me got another goddamn etch sketch Like, let me go down with you. <laughs> Spock agrees to it, and so they all beam down. The new away mission, which is Spock, Christopher, and Sulu, I think. Yeah. Sounds, I don't remember. Yeah, it sounds about um, right. They beam back down to the Air Force base again. They do like a, hey, look over there. And they punch out the guards. And then they burst into the interrogation room. And then they punch out the dude during doing the interrogation. Like I said, lots of punching in this episode. 
and they knock him out. Christopher grabs the interrogation guy's gun and he aims it at Kirk and he's like, you need to let me stay here. I'm not going back up to the ship. And then there's like a little bit of a horror element because we don't see Spock. Spock is in the adjacent room getting something <laughs> and Christopher's like, Spock, come out of that room. By the way, we have seen Spock go in this room. Christopher knows he's in that room. And then the the camera is on Christopher's face as he's like, Spock, come out of that room. And then we see like a blurry image of Spock just creep up like behind Christopher, just appear behind his shoulder and give him a Vulcan neck pinch. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did Spock get behind Christopher? He, he I don't. He it, was, it was kind of creepy. Wait, is that a real thing he can do? Well, I mean, there's the teleporter on the Enterprise. Like not him specifically. He can't. He can't. He's not a magician. Who can teleport himself? But he, <laughs> he just called. The, he was like, "Ring, ring, ring! Hello, Enterprise. Uh, can I get a ride?" And they're like, "Of course!" And then they beamed him over like ten feet, and then he was like, "Vulcan Nick Pinch, hiya!" Okay, I thought you were suggesting that Spock himself can teleport without technological assistance. No, Mm-mm. no, that's dumb. What a dumb thought. That's dumb, Emily. <laughs> I'm gonna judo chop you just like Kirk did to literally everyone in this episode. Wait, give me a, give me a hiya, Emily. Hiya. Ow. <laughs> All right, is he pacified? <laughs> okay, so they have rescued Kirk. They have destroyed all the evidence. They are ready to go home. They have a crazy ass plan where they are going to go around a sun, which will put them just stay with me here they're gonna go around a sun which will make them go backwards in time a little bit then they're gonna go forwards in time to the point where they arrived in the 20th century they're going to beam both of the air force people into their respective spots exactly when they left those spots at the start of the episode and they're not going to have any memory of anything that's happened this made zero sense yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I, that's why I'm trying to go past this as quickly yeah. as possible, because I, <laughs> it boggles the mind. I like to think that they just took the people, like, they took the old ones, and then they took the ones that were there, and they beamed those people just into space, and then replaced them with the, the old ones who didn't have the me- the memory. Oh, yeah, anymore. like the prestige. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, how that was resolved. That is, I was thinking exactly the prestige during that scene as well. Yeah. So that's my headcanon. Okay, so then we can add that to Kirk's kill count then. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, add two. Okay, we're almost done here. So they decide that they're going to continue shooting forward after they drop off the humans into their respective lives again. And they're going to accelerate really, really fast. Captain, we can't go that fast or the ship's going to fall apart. Do it, Scotty. You know, that whole (laughs) shit. Um, And then they suddenly, boom, they hear a, a... an announcement from Starfleet, like Enterprise, is that you? And then you know that they're back in time, and they made it back. And was, then, and then that's the episode. There was also a, a great moment where um, Sulu is like, "Oh, we're going past Pluto now, sir." And I just wanted um, Kirk to say, "I don't give a fuck about Pluto. It's still not a planet anymore." <laughs> <laughs> well, because they didn't. That's how we know that uh, they really aren't uh, writers from the future. Yeah, <laughs> we've proven it. Some things, some things did line up pretty well, though. Like they knew that the Enterprise was. I'm sorry, that humans were going to land on the moon in in the in the 1960s, and it was mm-hmm. June 1969. This episode was shot in 1967, so mm-hmm. they. I mean, they they could probably read the newspaper. They knew that it was going to happen pretty mm-hmm. soon, so that but, was pretty uh, good. 
Yeah, they said this was the first piece of media to predict that humans would reach the moon in the 60s. Most other other forms of media predicted it would happen in the 70s. Um, also, this episode took place like a couple years after it aired. Uh, I think it's like 1969 is actually when this episode takes place. Um, and they say that the first man moonshot is going to um, is going to happen on a Wednesday, and Apollo Eleven was um, launched on a Wednesday. So they uh, they were able to predict that right as well. Ooh, that's spooky. This episode aired a couple of days before the Apollo One. Apollo One, where the 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 NASA astronauts the three of them died in that fire it was just a couple days before that yeah it w- which was kind of crazy too right that that's an interesting little fact the Soviets though at this point in time the Soviets were way ahead of America on a lot of things so like mm-hmm. the, the Apollo one where they burnt up in the fire that was like NASA essentially trying to like pull an all-nighter and catch up to what the Soviets were doing because Mm -hmm. they were sending manned missions up a lot faster and mostly just because they didn't really give a shit what happened to the astronauts so they like (laughs) sent a man up when they're like what's gonna happen will you explode will you be able to breathe who knows get in there Yuri Gergerin like they had no plan for re-entry that's how pretty positive they were that he was just gonna die so I guess to say like I'm going to be optimistic and say that the U.S. is going to do this before the decade's out. Eh, it's not super far off. Hey, if you're right, it's amazing. If you're wrong, who cares? Right? It's sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you guys know that this episode, I'm sure Corey knows this, um, but it was originally thought of as the, a second part of a two-parter. What? Yeah. So What's do you guys one? remember? What's part one? Uh, do you guys remember the naked time with the drunk virus that got on the Enterprise, right? Vaguely. And then they go back in time inexplicably. Yeah, right? Yeah. So they get, they're getting pulled into the planet as it is imploding, and they have to get out of the planet. So they, like, cold start it and, like, implode the engines, and they go super fast. And they're like, oh, my God, we've been sent back in time, like, two days or something like that. So I think what was originally it was supposed to happen is when they did that, instead of going back two days, they would have gone back to the 60s in <sighs> Earth. And then this would have happened and they would have gone back. That would have made so much more sense because they they just end it there. They never do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And if this had been the second part or where they're like, we're in the 60s and here's how it happened and here's how it fixed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would have been really nice because then it would have also like made time travel a little bit more special and a little bit less of like a throwaway kind of, you know, concept that they created. So that would have been I don't I, I'm sure there was like production restraints and like stuff where they couldn't make that happen. Um, but that I think that would have been great. I, I don't I don't want to like just criticize every part of this time travel episode and look at all the oh, problems yeah. and everything. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that that won't get us anywhere. But but like. It was crazy to me that they they serendipitously found a way to travel, to time travel, and it had to do with overloading the engines. And they're like, holy shit, this is incredible. This is like a, a new landmark in, in history. What a scientific achievement. And then they don't follow up on it, which is fine. They don't have to follow up <laughs> on it. However, in this episode, they 
they experience time travel again by going through a black hole. So now apparently there's two ways to time travel. You can no, overload no, your engines was, or you can go through a black hole. It was the same way. Where basically they got caught in a crazy gravity well and then they were able to accelerate their way out of it. So they in both instances they like slingshotted out of it. It's not like they went through a wormhole or anything like that. They got too close to a star or an intense gravity event and then they were able to speed their way and so the kind of snapback of them speeding away from this gravity object was how they travel through time. Okay. Okay. That that's yeah. fair. But but basically they they now have discovered that you can do it through your ship. You mm-hmm. can just do it on your ship instantly if you want to mm-hmm. or you can go past a black hole. Mm-hmm. And exactly. then they're like, "Well, we need to we need to go into the future again, so we need to come up with a third way to do it." And, like, just with the resources on the ship and with Spock's brain, they're like, hey, you know the sun? Like, the sun that's just near Earth? We could just go around <laughs> it and then go into the, and, and you know, time travel again. So now there's, like, three good ways to do time travel, and it didn't really take that much work. Like, they figured it out in, like, a day that they can just use the sun and the technology that already exists to time travel. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of crazy how, like, cheap, the, how cheap it, how easy it was to do any kind of time travel. Like, it's kind of hard to not time travel if you have a starship and you're <laughs> floating around space. <laughs> we see that a lot too. How hard it is not to time travel. <laughs> oh god, I am constantly trying not to time travel. <laughs> oh damn it! It's last week again. Fuck. <laughs> oh no. I have to resist from killing my duplicate. Hey, can I bring something up? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the, talking about the dark rooms with with photography, like there's just some things that probably won't go away. Another example is probably like toilet paper, unless everyone has a bidet in the future. Like that's probably not going to go away. Like there's just some things that are just so ancient, but there's there's like a pencil, right? You're not going to get unless you have a gigantic fucking Etch-a-Sketch. Then I guess you mm-hmm. can get out of having a pencil. Well, but you'll still have like a stylus, but, which is basically a pencil. Can yeah. I tell you yeah. a NASA USSR story real quick? Allegedly, I don't know how true this is, but apparently NASA spent like millions of dollars trying to create a pen that would write mm-hmm. in zero gravity because mm-hmm. they couldn't think like, I don't know how ink works, but, uh, and then purportedly the Soviets just sent up a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just use a pencil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... When we were at the Air Force Base, I saw something in the corridor, which made me think, would that ever go away? I don't think so. And that thing is a water fountain, because famously, in TNG, you never see a bathroom. And I mean, nerds have mapped out where the bathrooms would be on the Enterprise, mm-hmm. but we never see anyone coming out, of, coming out of one or going into one or anything like that. But a water fountain... I don't know, guys. I think you would have water fountains on starships unless you're going to go to, like, the mess hall and, like, get a glass of water. A glass of water on a ship which is constantly rocking around. We've talked about that extensively. But even, like, a place to fill up your Nalgene bottle or something Mm. like that. I feel like that needs to be on on, on the Enterprise. That needs to be on a ship. It's a water fountain. It just makes sense. I'm sure there's some sort of water dispensing devices all over the ships. But yeah, you're right. We haven't seen those. So, okay. So let's talk about this sexual tension between Kirk and the guy. I thought it was funny when Kirk knocked them out in the transporter room and he comes to in the, um, I was going to say sanitarium, but, um, I don't, what would it, the med bay. Yeah. The med bay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, 
like he's talking and uh the captain says uh, captain christopher right he says oh i see physical training is a part of your service as well oh yeah i forgot and about I, that and i'm like oh my god this is gonna turn into a gay porn and then spock walks in uh, ruining the whole mood <laughs> I love Spock in this episode. He was just such a, like, logical wet blanket, and it Mm -hmm. just played off all the zaniness so well. Like, Kirk will be like, oh, we need to be really sneaky, and then he beams down and just fucking punches everybody. Like, it was so silly. And then you just have Spock being the straight man. But, yeah, Kirk and the captain, man. I thought at first it was just, like, captain to captain respect. But it just got, like, more and more horny as it went on. (laughs) Since we were talking about Spock, my favorite Spock moment was when um, Kirk is captured. So Spock is now in command. And the the scene opens with him, like, just looking at the film reel. Just, like, like looking at the negatives and just Uh peering at it. And even though it's a very tense moment and they're stuck in the past and their captain is captured and he's now in command, his the first line he has is, primitive photography technology yeah. and the boy just freaks out on him I just loved it he's like fuck your observations <laughs> Spock like we're in a crisis here I thought the same thing I was like what the fuck why is Spock like just being shitty about photography it's funny <laughs> this has never flown in my uh, Starfleet Academy photography class perspective yeah. is all off Framing is awful, doesn't follow the rule of thirds. This is garbage. I did like, though, when (laughs) Sulu and Kirk uh, beam down to, like, sneak around and steal the film. They're, like, in such delight over all the old-timey stuff. Like, Mm. Sulu has this big grin on his face, and I just wanted him to walk past a gun cabinet so bad. (laughs) I love Sulu's love of, like, swords and guns like i feel like that's a great character trait that they don't really like that was just kind of there to explain some stuff but it yeah something that's really cool to like dive deeper into okay so i really want to talk about this fight this was such a great fight kirk fighting three guys it was amazing i mean he was distracting them so sulu could like get the film and get away but it first consisted at Kirk just throwing himself at these three guys. I'm sure it's not <laughs> the first time this has happened. But, like, he's, like, cannonballing them, right? He's almost, like, jumps at them and then goes horizontal and, like, runs into them. And then he does that, like, two to three more times. And the, those guys are on the ground. He's kind of, like, fighting with them. He gets in a doorway and one guy tries to tackle him and he just grabs onto the top of the frame and, like, jumps up, you know? And so the guy misses him. And then you see some good old, like, you know, the double punch where they interlock their fingers and then he hits them with both of his um, hands. I don't I know. I love if that's the, the double first punch. Time that. And it's like a, it's like a, like, like a salmon spawning thing where like they're just always jumping in the air because every time the camera goes back to Kirk, he's just flying through the air at another enemy. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. That's an amazing description of it, Corey. <laughs> salmon fighting. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, but I just love that scene so much. The, the music, the music's also particularly good, and I don't know, like, rights-wise, if we can play any little stings of it, but the, the music during that fight, it's, like, it's goofy, but it's, like, action-packed. The, there's also a lot of 
boy, I don't even know how to describe it. Whenever someone does like a silly one-liner or like the computer says something sexy and everyone like kind of looks uncomfortable, <laughs> it's like a, I don't know what instrument it is, but it's like, nah, meow, you know, um, but it does that a lot. It, it's just, it's very, it's very 1960s and it's kind of hard to describe, but it's, it's, it's wonderful. To your point, Corey, there is also that moment where um, the captain is first on board and he notices a woman and there's like a sexy saxophone sting in the background. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. And he's like, women's. Yeah, he's like, women on the ship. And Kirk's like, yep. And if we are able to put in a little bit of music, uh, here is a little bit right here to give you an example of what we're talking about. Good morning, Captain. Good morning, Captain. A woman? Crew. So, yeah, that's neat. That's pretty much all I have to talk about. Do you guys. Um, have any other things you wanted to bring up? Uh, just that it, I actually, as much as we were ragging on the logic, or ahem, I was ragging on the logic, it was a fun episode to watch. Spock and Bones were both great. Um, Kirk, this is just the most Zap Brannigan we've seen him in a while. <laughs> it was fun. It was good. Yeah, and I like this episode too. It wasn't the best episode, but I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't one that stood out the most, but I enjoyed it. It was goofy. I think it was a fun premise where like, hey, there's this guy from the past. Like, how do we deal with them? Uh, so I thought that was all pretty interesting. But yeah, it was just kind of fun, goofy, fun. What about you, Cor? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I. It feels like these episodes oscillate either between super serious mm-hmm. or super goofy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just want an episode where they go down to a planet and have an adventure with a different culture and like different types of trees and someone <laughs> dies and like everyone does their job and then they go back up. Like I know that's formulaic, but that's all I want. <laughs> and we don't really get a lot of episodes like that. This episode was entirely forgettable to me. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I mean, it was fine. It was whatever. But it didn't feel like a Star Trek episode. It just felt like like a stupid script that they got because they ran out of ideas. Yeah. Apparently, did you see this, Clint? Apparently, the person that wrote this episode gave it to Roddenberry. They didn't, not only did they not pay him for it, they didn't credit him for it, but they used the episode, like, beat for beat as it was in that script. I saw that Rude. in the trivia. Yeah. Um... Let me... Let's give him the credit yeah, this dude. Yeah, I wanted to... Okay, so this, uh, according to IMDb, the episode originated from a one-page story synopsis. Associate producer Robert H. Justman submitted to Gene Roddenberry on 12th of April, 1966, for possible consideration. Although almost beat for beat, Justman's uh, proposed story is the same as this episode. Roddenberry never acknowledged Justman as the source or paid any royalties to him for the idea. Wow, that's dicked. Yeah, yeah. Well, no one ever said that uh, Roddenberry was the perfect person. (laughs) Corey, that sweet spot that you're advocating for right between super heavy or super goofy is TNG. We'll get there. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking.